I have five days to put everything in order and say bye to all my family. <laughs> it was crazy. Hello, and welcome back to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. In our previous two episodes, we've been telling the story of David Benulos's journey of earning his Cisco certifications and how that helped him get to where he is today. David is now a principal engineer at a global telecommunications business and has become a leader and mentor in the Cisco certifications world. But in order to reach this point of success, David had to struggle with both immense personal and professional challenges. If you haven't listened to those first two episodes, we highly recommend you do so. But just to recap, in addition to assisting his family with the care of their father, David had to somehow also find time to study for certification exams and keep the company that he founded afloat during a major economic downturn in his home country of Venezuela. He was able to earn a number of certifications, but sadly, the economic climate Venezuela faced at the time would eventually swallow David's company, forcing him to shut it down. Around the same time, during a trip to Europe with his cousins, David's eyes were open to the fact that his home country was very behind the rest of the world, especially in terms of economic opportunity and essential infrastructure services. So this motivated David to look for new opportunities that would take him away from his home. With the help of his friends at the Cisco Learning Network, David was able to find, apply for, and get a job in the Czech Republic. The only thing he had to do now was get there. I got the offer and then I thought, okay, so now I get an offer. How the hell am I going to pay all this? Because now I have to find a flying ticket. It, it wasn't something you could just pay. So I asked to my cousin, the cousin who traveled with me in 2013, I told him, dude, I have this offer. And if I do the math, I had an Excel spreadsheet with my expenses. I had to be really organized with this. I told him in this amount of months, I will be able to pay you back. My cousin told me, I will give you the money. I know that you will not be a waste though. He just gave me the money. It was around 2,500 euros, less than that, because it was a part of euros, one part of dollars, but it was all the money he had. What I did was I still had to pay the flight ticket. I could pay it in Bolivares. So I didn't have to pay it in dollars on the black market because in Venezuela, you can find everything in dollars. And that's the thing. You cannot find anything in Bolivares because they are worth nothing. So I could find one airline, which was accepting you to pay in Bolivares, it was a ridiculous amount of money. 720,000 Bolivares. I sold everything I had. Everything. And the thing that I couldn't sell, I just gave them away. And I got to 600,000. And then my brother-in-law, who is now living in Spain, he gave me the 120 last that I was missing. I came to him and I asked him, I can pay you this back. And he said, I don't want you to pay me this back. I will just give you the money and this is your ticket. I got this money on Friday. You know, when I got the ticket Wednesday, I have five days to put everything in order and say bye to all my family. <laughs> it was crazy. I got my ticket for March, March 14th, 2016. I get the offer by the end of November. And they told me, just schedule your trip whenever you can. They even allow you to have the luxury of taking your time. Of course, I didn't have all the time in the world, but I used then this time between November and March to get all the paperwork done. 
I had to go to several ministries. I had to chase a bunch of people. I had to be this annoying guy who was always, you know, poking on you till you give him the paper. I had to find a bunch of chocolates and then just pass them under the rock to somebody. Hey, do you want this piece of chocolate? And then, you know, you, you find your way and then you're like, ha, 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 do you want a chocolate? Yes, of course I want a chocolate. Are you helping me now? It's like, well, if you give me another one, take another one. So you find your way. You need to be friend of a friend. That's well, you, you need to find a way to make things work. I managed to do everything except translate my papers because I was coming to Czech Republic. I had to translate them to Czech. There was one translator in the whole country. One. And I had to find the lady, Hanna Stalikova. I found her and she told me, I can translate it, but I cannot certify it because I don't have still the title to certify. But I will translate it for you and then you will come to the embassy. The Czech Republic embassy in Venezuela was closed. So what they were doing is that the officer from the embassy from Cuba, he was coming to Venezuela every now and then, some every some months, I, I would say every six months or so. And one day, every six months, the guy was in the embassy so you could bring your papers and translate them and he would validate everything. I was that day at 6 a.m. at the door of the embassy waiting for the guy. I got my papers signed and certified by him at 7 p.m. And I had everything. Then I was calling my mom. Hey, I got everything. I'm leaving. My mom has never been the kind of, hey, stay with me. Or, or she, she would never cut your wings, as we would say. So she just told me, just go. Get your stuff ready and go. And well, then I got to... To, well, to the part where you say goodbye to everybody. All my friends, of course, and I couldn't say goodbye to my dad. Because, uh, oh God, my dad was sick at that point and he was quite weak. So if I was telling my dad, hey, I'm leaving the country, then, well, he would get weaker. And at that point we were giving him some medicines at home. And I couldn't tell him I was leaving till the night before. I came to him the night before and I couldn't tell him the truth. So I just tell him, hey, I got some opportunity to do a course with Cisco. Because I was always doing stuff with Cisco. So for him, if you say Cisco, for him, it was like, oh, my boy is doing it. Whatever you would tell him to him. So then I told him I would have some course with Cisco and, uh, and I will come back. So I told him that I would come back. It was just three months and I would return. I didn't have the, well, the balls to tell him, hey, I'm coming back. And I couldn't because I didn't want to be also the one causing him, well, he would get weaker because he would get depressed and all that. Well, I had to tell him this and I got all my stuff ready and, uh, well, the next day, 7 a.m., I was getting everything ready. I was visiting my cousin. I was getting the money. I came back home. Everything was packed. My mom was there. We just went to the airport and, well, you know what happens there. <laughs> so I think it's, well, it's more or less the same. Uh, everybody came to me and some friends even came in the last minute. One of my friends just came in the last minute. Hey, don't leave yet. And then she said bye and all that. And the last person who came to me before I just went to cross the, the boarding gate was my mom. Before my mom, I was keeping myself together. It was hard to make it, but... You know, I had my, we say in Spanish, my ass face. You know, I had this, yeah, everything is okay. I'm not crumbling apart. And then 
when my mom came and she just hugged me and said goodbye and then I, I just had to say goodbye and turn around because I didn't want my mom to see me just well, crying and all this and I just left. David moved through extensive security and then finally boarded the plane that would take him away from his home. After 10 and a half hours, David landed in Madrid at 5 in the morning on March 15th and immediately got to work. He began by getting an appointment with the Czech Embassy in Spain in order to get his visa to go to the Czech Republic. He had to go through all of this because Venezuela's embassy for the Czech Republic had closed. My only options were either to do it in Madrid or I had to go to Cuba. And I didn't have money to pay to flights. So it was okay, dude, just Madrid. What happened? My brother lives in Spain. So I told my brother before applying for the visa and all that, I asked him a month before, can I live on your couch for two months while my visa gets approved? And he's like, dude, you can live in the bathroom if you want, just come. <laughs> so of course I had to pay some kind of toll. So I had to bring him a bunch of chocolates that he had years without tasting because why, why not? So part of my luggage was just chocolates for my brother, which was the sweetest bribe ever. So David was able to get an appointment with the Czech Republic embassy in Spain. At 7 a.m. I was there at the door and I was just waiting for hours there. Nobody is taking me away from this. It was funny because when I left the airport, when I took all my luggage, I had a backpack. I had a big suitcase and a smaller one. So I was going with both of them and I had the backpack and I was just dragging everything through Madrid streets and I didn't care. Dude, I was not in Venezuela anymore. Again, this wasn't any certainty because I was just applying for the visa. I still didn't even start working. But it was the first step. I got to the embassy. I was careful to buy a bunch of chocolates because the Venezuelan chocolate is very famous or it used to be famous. Now we have nothing, but it used to be very famous. And when I got to this embassy and then the lady signed my stuff and then she put the stamp on my passport and told me, well, you have applied for your visa. Now you need to wait for the visa to get approved. And I was like, take these chocolates. Thanks for your help and for having this appointment for me because they didn't have to. David was told by the folks at the embassy that his visa application would take about two months to get approved. But in the meantime, he could go as a tourist because Venezuela would allow anyone to visit another country for 90 days as a visitor. So David got a ticket to Prague for May 11th, and when he landed, he got a train to Brno, which is where his new job would be waiting for him. When he got to Brno, David didn't let the different culture prevent him from finding everything he needed to make his dream work. In the 19 days he had, before he had to start work, he found a place to live. I found a place in Friday. I asked the owner and then I was told no because somebody else decided to take it and they came before or whatever. And I was at that point just getting desperate because I couldn't get anything. <laughs> then the guy calls me. He says, David, you're very lucky. We got a flat for you right next to the one you just saw yesterday. The person who was going to take it said no. And you were the next in the queue. Do you want a ticket? And I say, hell yeah, dude, even if it's a shoebox, I'm going there. He did his best to find a way to eat. <laughs> so as I couldn't understand anything, you can imagine how I was eating food. I was eating only things that I could recognize. Bread, <laughs> for example. I was trying to buy butter. What happened? I bought a cube and I thought it was butter. It was yeast. And tried to get used to the glaring differences between his home and his new world. This might sound dumb for many people, but coming from Venezuela, 
I could see a supermarket which was full. That was amazing. I was like, <gasps> and I was overwhelmed because I didn't know which brand of milk to buy, which brand of butter. Now I knew which one was butter before now. I was starting this adventure to a completely unknown place, a completely unknown culture, language, people. I had idea about nothing, literally nothing, but I was having the adventure of my life. I had to try to understand something. I couldn't understand anything. It was just noise. So, well, many things happened. And during that time, since I arrived until I started to work, I had these 19 days of do the best of your time. I had scheduled my exams, my CCMP exams. So in May 18th, one week after I arrived, I had the route exam again. Finally, I was ready to take it. I took it, I passed it. And then I had only one exam to go for CCMP. I took that exam on 25th, exactly one week after. So in a range of a week, between 18 and 25th, I took two exams. It was exhausting, I passed it. I remember that that day I almost failed an exam and Daniel Deep set my butt with this because Daniel Deep got certified in May of 2016 and he sent an email in his blog he updated everybody and he said yeah he passed the exam and then he said yeah i passed in madrid and all that and then when i read the blog i double check the thing is remember to bring your two ids and oh, my passport i forgot the passport at home i had to run back home and i was almost at the test center i had to run back run three kilometers i think <laughs> then back to the testing center i got right on time i took the second exam and David passed. He now had a professional certification from Cisco after passing the exams that he had failed while he was still in Venezuela. With an impressive new certification and a dream job he was about to walk into, David was very excited about how his future was starting to look. At that point, I was super happy, so I managed to make everything right or, or to do everything. I got the exams, I got the CCMP, and I was finally starting to work. Guess what? I was almost fired. <laughs> because when I joined my manager, the first day he said, David, if you see anything which is wrong, just tell me. Whatever you think we can improve, just tell me. Turns out that I told him, but then he wanted to fire me because I was too honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, lesson number one, don't do it. <laughs> then I got this problem with this manager and well, in any company, I would say that your probation period, which was three months, you could be fired at any point with no reason given. You could just be fired and that's all, no, nothing to worry about. So, I was super worried. The stakes for David were very high because at this point, he wouldn't be able to go home if he was fired. He had missed his original return flight, and he didn't have nearly enough money to be able to book another one. He had also stretched the capacity of financial help he could get from his family to its limit. So, I didn't have an option to return. And imagine then having this feeling of, what am I going to do now? The only way is forward. I got lucky enough to be taken in a team, in a team by another manager. His name is Michal Belak. He is Slovak and he's one of the best bosses I ever had. He took me in because he didn't have enough engineers on his team. We were part of a new team or they were part of a new team and they needed somebody else. The team was being built to support a customer that I helped to support for more than two years. 
they were using ACI in the early stages, so ACI version 1.1 or something super old, and then also uh, traditional data center technologies like Nexus 7K. I had no experience whatsoever, but they told me, okay, so do you want to come and learn all this stuff or do you want to stop working with this guy who wants to fire you? And well, that was a no-brainer. So I said, oh, oh, take me in. And then the other manager, actually, he even decided for me <laughs> because he told the guy, I don't want him. And if you can make use of him, then you would decide if you want to keep him or not. And uh, well, I got thrown into this new team with technology I didn't have idea about. And I had to learn overnight because I was in probation period. So I had to demonstrate that I had the skills for it. Although I never did anything in data center before that day. I was day and night studying, going to configuration guides and, and trying to check our data centers and understand how things were configured. And then, well, I managed to over time do things to implement new things. And I end up then passing my probation period, which is, well, it, it was one of the best moments ever because you get this email of dear David, we are letting you know that this is to inform you that you have passed your probation period. And then you're, you know, you breathe and you say, oh, they cannot fire me now. Well, they can, but it's harder. During that time that I was in the probation period, well, what happens when you come to another country in this situation? I was calling my mom, I was calling my dad, I was talking with my family. I was here completely alone. And whenever I was talking to them, I couldn't, I couldn't let them know that I was in a miserable situation. I couldn't let them know, hey, I almost got fired. So you cannot tell them this. So when you call them or whenever they call you, it doesn't matter. And then you just wash your face and do your best fake smile or whatever you can do. And then you tell them, well, everything is going well. Yeah, I couldn't be happier <laughs> because well, for them, the thing is that they were worried about many other things. My siblings, they were worried about my dad. They were worried about his treatment and all that. And my mom was worried about, well, the life in general, because the country has been in crisis for ages. And I didn't want to add to them the worry about, oh, David is also not doing well. And, well, you just don't do that. So you just, well, smile and, yeah, everything is cool, at least for a little. And then whenever we just hung up the car, okay. And now I can go back to my miserable being. <laughs> it wasn't the best situation, but it was the best I could do. So I didn't want them to really feel all this pressure. So, well, my choice was just to suck it up alone. The note of these limitations was that I had to pay back to my cousin. I had uh, one, it was 1,200 something dollars that I had to save up. And my problem is that I didn't have a good salary. So what I did is that I made use of Excel. So I had an Excel spreadsheet where I was documenting my daily expenses so I would have enough money to pay him back. And I was actually quite religious with this. And I'm not particularly religious, but I was well, obsessive with this. So I knew exactly how much I was spending every day. And it was an amazing way to keep myself under control. It didn't feel very good, right? But well, that was the only way. So what I was doing is then sometimes then going through all these sales that I would have in the supermarket and then I would find this big, they call it chicken duo. And then I would buy just two whole chickens. So I would then chop it in little pieces, save it in the, <laughs> in the fridge. And then, well, dude, we'll have chicken every day. <laughs> I was then taking all the bones and making soup and a bunch of potatoes and carrots. And there you go. We have soup for the weekend. Just soup. I had to find ways to, well, stretch the money as much as possible. I managed to get to September. I managed to pay it all. And I was left with, it's an equivalent to $100. 
maybe. I was left with almost nothing. But half of my debt was paid. In the meantime, I was also sending money to my dad and, well, my mom. Somehow I managed, I guess, that whenever this situation comes, you just make it. So yeah, I ended up getting my first salary two months after I arrived to Czech Republic. So I was stretching all this money I had left only for the two months to have passed. And when I got my first salary, I had 50 crowns in my pocket. 50 Czech crowns are the equivalent to two euros. And for our American listeners, 50 Czech koronis is about two US dollars. I had nothing else. When I got my first salary, it felt so good. Because you know what I did? The way I celebrate? There was a canteen in the building and they were selling these massive and yummy chicken sandwiches. They were big and the lady was quite generous. You were telling her, give me a chicken sandwich. She was just, you know, putting stuff inside. It was like a generous subway <laughs> kind of restaurant. I was all the time just going and then uh, drooling when I was checking them because I couldn't pay for them. I didn't have the salary yet. So what I did as soon as I got paid was, okay, I'm going to try that sandwich. And it was the most <laughs> glorious chicken sandwich ever, if I can tell you that. <laughs> The months went by as David worked at his new company as a level 3 support engineer for the data center. In this role, David would handle beginner to medium level troubleshooting within the data center. This was a surprising role for David to have considering the fact that he was only 24 years old at the time. I kept working, I kept studying, I did nothing else. The only thing I did was study and work and literally nothing else. I was barely sleeping because also I was allowed to do overtime. They told me, all the overtime you need, you can do it because, well, dude, we have a lot of stuff to do and we don't have enough people. I had many days or weeks in which I was working 16 hours or more. And as we were building the data centers and we had many outages, well, guess what? I was always in an incident call. I was always in a severity two or severity one, something really nasty happening and they were escalating it. So, well, yeah, I had the golden ticket to have all the overtime you want, which was good and bad because I wasn't sleeping anything. <laughs> but I could save all the money that was going to help me anyway, because whatever I was getting, I was able to send something back home. I managed to save up some money and guess what I did? I paid this flight ticket to Spain to visit my brother, round trip. And then I had a little of money saved up. And you know what I did? I paid my bus ticket to Cisco Live Berlin. I didn't have the ticket yet, the, the Cisco Live ticket. But I wanted to be there. So the first thing I did was pay this autobus ticket. It was nine hours in bus. So I had to buy myself a new bot because mine was gone. And it was to Berlin at that time in 2017. I think it was around the first days of December. And then Brad Lovins sent me this email that, hey, we want you to be a VIP. I was like, oh! I can't believe it! Because, again, during all this time I was working, studying, or doing anything, I was in Cisco Learning Network doing something, commenting something, trying to learn something. Because people there were fantastic. They knew so much. And the VIPs were these people in the Cisco Learning Network community that you could look up to. If you didn't know, they will have the answer for you, always. You will say, this doesn't make sense, and suddenly somebody comes and makes this amazing explanation, and you say like, oh god, I'm an idiot, it's so clear. So for me, the VIPs were these people that I was always looking up to, and although I had many hopes, and I thought, well, I just got CCMP, I am eligible, but that doesn't mean I'm getting it, and 
when I got this email, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't feed it myself because my eyes were super big and I was all just, you know, almost crying and all that because after so much hardships, after six months plus the months that I was living with my brother, after all these issues that I had, I almost got fired. And then you get into this situation where you think, is all this that I'm doing worth it? Or what if I get fired? What should I do now? After all this, and then suddenly I get this email and they tell me, Hey, yeah, you will be one of our VIPs for next year. They tell me, Hey, by the way, one of your perks as being a VIP is to get a Cisco Alive ticket. I was like, oh, No way! I have already the bus ticket! So, well, one thing plus the other, and I got everything to Cisco Alive Europe in Berlin, which was in January. David found so many of the people he was able to connect with waiting to finally meet him at Cisco Live. Instead of communicating with them through a message board, he could stand before them and speak with them and as a VIP. Really, after so many months, I had the best week ever in Cisco Live. Really, for, for a little bit of time, I could simply forget that I was going through so many things because finally at Cisco Live, I could enjoy a little bit of time without being worried about what is going to happen tomorrow. It was one of the best week of my life till that point. I met all these people that I only was interacting through Twitter. It brought a completely different level of feeling of belonging and I told you before that I never felt like I belonged to Venezuela. I always grew up in this environment where I was rejecting everything because, well, it was complete nonsense. I finally found a place where I felt that I would be belonging to and it was just the community it was just the people it was this feeling of we were waiting for you that i never felt before and uh, it, for me this was golden and from that point onwards my best weeks in the year are the weeks where i have cisco live there is nothing better than this nothing nothing honestly and my weeks at cisco live are wild i almost don't sleep my sleep cycles are around three hours per day mostly I wouldn't be here if it wouldn't be for the community. Who told me how I could leave? Who told me where I could apply? People from the community. Without the support, I'll be still in Venezuela sucking it up. Or even worse, I might be even dead because in Venezuela you never know. You think, what is the right way to pay back? So when I see somebody yeah. that says, I want to learn this, I want to do this, I want to have an opportunity for doing this other stuff, or what would you recommend me to do in this situation? Dude, I just sit with them. Do you want to have a WebEx call? Let's have it. Because this is the way I'm just giving back to the community. And I wouldn't be here if it wouldn't be for all these opportunities that I got through Cisco. I started studying networking because of Cisco Academy. I became an instructor and this allowed me to follow my passion of teaching and helping others through Cisco Academy as well. I managed to know where to apply for and where to go and I managed to start building my own future thanks to Cisco Learning Community. So what is common here? All of these platforms that Cisco has developed, they helped me somehow. And this is something I'm immensely thankful for. David has earned the CCNP Data Center, CCNP Service Provider, Cisco Certified Specialist in Enterprise Infrastructure, Service Provider, data center ACI implementation, and data center design, among the certifications we already mentioned. He continues to be a leader in the Cisco Learning Network and the Cisco certification community as a whole. If you'd like to learn more about David or connect with him, follow him on Twitter by finding him at DavidSamuelPS. 
We hope you enjoyed David's story. Special thanks to Matt Saunders and Joanna Gardner for interviewing David, getting him to tell his story, and for helping produce these episodes. Please subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast to hear more stories like David's in the future, as well as Cisco certification news and advice from experts in many different areas and expertise levels. Thanks for listening. Thank you.